It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, we're back from match day three after the international break is all done and dusted. So let's just recap over, well, a rather exciting uh, and goal-filled uh, weekend uh, by going over the results. Oh, I'm going to take a deep breath here because there were a lot of goals and a lot of late ones. So let's start with the Friday night game. We've seen Borussia Dortmund at home taking on Eintracht Frankfurt and winning 3-1. That's an impressive result for Favre that we will be going into uh, in our first topic tonight. Um, going into Saturday, we've seen Loney, uh, Reese Nelson, uh, perform for Hoffenheim, but unfortunately they lost 2-1 to Dusseldorf. Timo Werner seems to be back in a 3-2 win over Hanover. Then we've seen Mainz come back rather late to beat Osberg. Champions Bayern Munich managed to beat uh, Bayer Leverkusen 3-1. Wolfsburg 2-2 against Hertha. There are plenty of late goals in that one as well. The late kickoff game was Borussia Mönchengladbach to Schalke 1. Brilliant result for Gladbach. Yeah. Then going into Sunday. Yep, the goals didn't stop there. We've seen Werder Bremen draw against Nuremberg. A rather late goal from Nuremberg in that one once again. And then Freiburg versus Stuttgart. Well, I was telling the guys that turned it off at halftime where it was 1-1. It finished 3-3. Yep. They hit that button. But joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Yeah, busy. It's it's busy week. Um, you know, with the international break followed by a busy Bundesliga schedule, plus my my day job with Pro Soccer USA covering the White Cups, plus Champions League previews. Taking a deep breath and then getting straight back into it. But yeah, good, pretty good. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. I'm rather exhausted after mentioning all those goals. Um, it was a rather exciting match day, wasn't it? And this is what we love about uh, the Bundesliga, isn't it? There's, you, you can never say it's over till it's over with all these games. And, and another uh, member of the team that I know watched plenty of games this weekend is Chris Williams. Uh, your, your family were even complaining about it on Saturday, weren't they? Uh, yeah, they were because, uh, hello, Bryce, by the way. Um, yeah, they were hello. because I was working, um, Saturday morning covering Liverpool's trip to Spurs at Wembley. Um, so yeah, so the, the football started at, I think it was half 11. Um, and then it pretty much was on there till eight o'clock at night. So yeah, it was, it was a long day. And then obviously we've had today and then we're going to roll into, um, the Champions League and Europa League, but, there's another member of the team who's had an even longer weekend because he's trudged all across Germany. 
<laughs> yes, you're right. Uh, joining uh, the three of us is Matthew Marshall of the Football Grad Network. Once again, it's his second time to be on the podcast. Welcome back, Matthew. How was your weekend? In fact, just list off the games that you went to this weekend. Hi, guys. Yeah, thanks to thanks to having me on. Nice to be back. Yeah, I went to Dortmund on on Friday night. My first time to the Signal Iduna Park, actually, and really enjoyed it. Nice win for the home side there, and then up to. Monchen Gladbach again for that game against uh, Schalke, which was uh, quite an interesting game. Yeah, I agree that that international break and all the solitude we had was is, is definitely over, isn't it, with the Champions League back and uh, and the domestic stuff. So happy to get into it and uh, loving every minute of, uh, of football, mate. Yeah, absolutely. It was a well back with a bang, will we say? But um, yeah, let, let's talk about this uh, Borussia Dortmund game, uh, Chris. I'm going to go back to you. Um, the, the perfect way for Favre and his men to uh, return after the international break, isn't it? Um, yeah, it was. Um, it certainly was. I was a little concerned um, at the start of the game, but you know they grew into it. Um, Dortmund, um, Frankfurt sat back. Um, obviously, Matthew was there, so you know he'll have seen a lot more um, than I did. I was only privy to where the uh, DFL cameramen were pointing the lenses. Obviously, Matthew in a press box had the um, had the full look of the pitch. But from what I saw, it eventually became a very, very good um, Lucien Favre victory. Um, I think it took the introduction of Jaden Sancho. But who would you have said would score in this match before the match started? You would have definitely had Marius Wolf down because he's an ex-Eintracht player. And you've had Paco Alcia down because it was his debut. And the Bundesliga never disappoints. And those two scored the two uh, main goals. Really, that, that changed the game. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed to be written in the stars, didn't it? Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to go back to uh, Matt on this and yeah, get your uh, breakdown of the game. I mean, um, I, I, as Chris said, maybe not the best of starts, but um, yeah, they, they fairly got going and looked pretty convincing towards the end, didn't they? Yeah, they were dominant in the first half and, and you know, deserved their, their 1 0 lead heading, heading into the break and, and looked pretty comfortable in the second until, you know, Sebastian Haller got the equaliser, but then they, they pretty much stepped on the gas and, as you said, he got the goal through Marius Wolf. Um, what I noticed here was that, you know, with the injuries that Eintracht Frankfurt had, you know, Fallet that left back was, a, was an obvious player to target, I thought, and, and Dortmund had a, a few good chances down the right hand side early on, but, they seemed to sort of go away from that. And then it wasn't until Sancho came on. He actually came on and, and, you know, came on and played on the left wing, but then quickly switched over to the right. And then not long after, you know, got past Fallet, set up Wolf. And then, yeah, the, the goal to Alcacer at the end was, was really good to see. I'm not sure if it would have gone in without the deflection, but still, it was a, it was a good hit. And, you know, he, he's undoubtedly the, 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 the starting striker here. Um, Maximilian Philippe is a good player, but he's not in the same league as Alcacer as a striker. And it's good to see the, the young winger there, Jakob Brun Larsen, get the start. Still has a lot of work to do to link up with his teammates. And I'll just finish off by saying, you know, we saw a bit of a formation switch here. Uh, Fabra going a bit more attacking, um, you know, just with two central midfielders. And I thought you could see when Witzel came off the bench that if Faber does play this 4-2-3-1, then, you know, Witzel has to be one of those guys, um, either with Delaney or Dahoud. Yeah, that's a lot of positives for Dortmund. Um, Manu, would you agree that uh, your the players that they've managed to bring in 
over the summer, um, right up to the end of the transfer window, have really been making a difference. They've, they've, they've actually bought quite well, Dortmund. Yeah, I do think that they bought very well. I mean, Matt, we were chatting during the game a little bit that when Witzel came on, that was really the big impact, right? And you could sort of sense that the moment the the Belgian lad was brought on, that the the entire body language changed on on the pitch, and the, the Witzel came on shortly after Frankfurt had equalized, right? And that that would have been the sort of goal that would have spelled the end for Dortmund many games last year. And this year, you know, he comes on, he just asserts himself, um, he he sets up that um, the ball for Dahoud um, just before the second goal, um, before Dahoud sends up Sancho, who then sets up Wolf. Um, I think that's that's a big impact player for them um, right there, and I think also that you know Diallo scored. Of course, um, can't forget that he scored the opener, probably one of the oddest goals I've seen all season. And then uh, Wolf and Alcazar scoring. I mean, they did everything. They did everything right um, based on this um, on this game in terms of transfers. So I think I think for me though, really Witzel is Witzel and Delaney are probably. The biggest transfers and for me, Witzel, um, it's just that the, the way when he comes on or when he came on, you can just, you can just sense this, like, um, the entire team just gets, gets that extra pulse and you just get a, that sense of confidence from him. And I, I, for me, that's, he's been the, the biggest and most important signing, um, this summer. Yeah. He's got I'll, a, I'll... he's got the presence about him for sure, you know, and he's got that calmness and that extra bit of time just to suss out what's happening and, and play the right pass and put people into space. And, you know, I'm sure he'll, he'll be a definite starter, um, for the rest of the season. I'm not sure Mahmoud Dahoud works that well in a 4-2-3-1. Uh, he had a lot of mis- misplaced passes, didn't have one of his better games. I think he probably works a bit better, uh, you know, in the 4-3-3. But for sure, uh, Witzel is a tremendous player, even though I only saw him, you know, for 20 minutes or so, but, yeah, for sure he's going to have a, a big impact for Dortmund this season. I was a little disappointed. I don't know if, if you were, Matt, when you were in there, and Manu, when you saw that. Obviously, last season I was I'm privy enough and lucky enough to go and see Frankfurt a couple of times once um, at Wolfsburg when I covered the match there, and obviously again um, in the Pokal final in Dortmund where they were very attacking. Now, I don't know why under, um, under Hutter that this seems... I mean, at one point, there was only Sebastian Haller in, in the attacking half. The Frankfurt had dropped so deep, and, and all that allowed um, was the right and left back, Smelcher and Piszczek, were just allowed to bomb down the wing and uh, tearing them apart. And it was no surprise in the end um, that the goal came when it did. And it, for me, they sat back and, and almost invited Dortmund on, and... Um, we saw that on Saturday as well at Leverkusen. It was, it's very strange sort of um, tactics for me because when the substitution was made, um, you know, when De Guzman and Jovic came on, they locked a completely different side because all of a sudden um, Eintracht started attacking again. And lo and behold, they get the goal that they need. And, and Dortmund looked a little bit rocked, but um, I, I was just really surprised to see I mean, when was it? It was around, I mean, it's quite late on into the match, wasn't it? 68 minutes. Up Frankfurt, 65 minutes to really start to make an attack. Okay, take that early one out when they, I think they had a chance after about four or five minutes uh, when there was a mistake by Schmelzer. But 
after that, they just sat back and invited Dortmund. This is a Dortmund team in transition, and for Frankfurt and the way that they've played under Kovac for the last couple of years, I was really surprised by this. Well, you have to be a bit cautious, I guess, going to Dortmund and, and missing a and, you know, they, they couldn't really go too gung-ho. And you're right, it was basically long ball to, to Haller and hope for the best. And, yeah, when Jovic came on, it just gave Haller that bit more space and they looked a lot more dangerous. So it'll be interesting to see who to, decides to be a little bit more adventurous. I'm sure he probably will at home, but it will, we'll have to keep an eye on that and, and see what he does with his formations and tactics going forward. Yeah, maybe my last thoughts on this, because you're bringing up Hutter, Matt, is that he play? I thought when he would come in, there would be a little bit of a paradigm shift for Eintracht Frankfurt because at uh, Young Boys, he played more like the Red Bull teams play in that 4-2-2-2, right? That counter press, aggressive press. And at Frankfurt, I guess people that expected a revolution or at least an evolution in terms of tactics. Um, I'm I'm really surprised he hasn't really put his um, fingerprint on this team more yet, but maybe that's still something to come. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that I've noticed that Hütter hasn't really changed the, the, the makeup of the side, even though I think that's something that was probably necessary given the coaching change. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a tough old time for Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Matthew, can we just go one last comment on uh, Dortmund? Um, maybe just ask, you know, who would you say probably your man of the match was? Uh, a lot of people over, especially in the UK, talking about just how good uh, Sancho looked. What times? Tremendous skill and ability on the ball and, and confidence to beat guys one-on-one. You know, his decision-making seems quite good for such a, a young player. And we've seen him do what he what he did against Frankfurt last season. Of course, that tremendous piece of skill that when he brought down that long pass will will live in the memory for all the people who saw it. That was exceptional for such a young player. But really difficult to pick anyone out of this game. Royce didn't really get that that involved. I thought he would have for Fallet. But as I said, I, I was a little bit disappointed. On a whole, Dortmund didn't really attack uh, Frankfurt's left side. But no real standouts here, Bryce. Just a good team performance in the end to, to step on the gas there after after Witzel came off the goals and, and put Frankfurt to bed. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris, um, what about uh, Mario Goethe? I mean, are we looking at a Dortmund side that's there's maybe just not enough speed? Maybe, maybe Dortmund's moving on without him. Oh, I don't know about that just yet. Um, let, let's give it a little bit longer. I think if you can afford to um, not have Mario Götze on your side and still win, good sign. But Dortmund are fighting on three fronts at the moment and they'll want to fight on all of those three fronts after last season. So you need to have strength and depth. And obviously with Götze and the likes of Sancho and even um, Witzel coming on late on, it shows that Dortmund have the capability now to bring on um, game changers, which at some points they didn't have last season. I mean, if you looked at who they brought on, um, this season, sorry, if you looked at who they brought on, on Friday night and compare that with when they're having real troubles against Tottenham, um, Apoel, Nicosia, etc., even Salzburg in the Champions League, uh, sorry, in the Europa League, then you can see that at the moment they're a bit of a stronger side. So if Mario Guts is not starting week in, week out, probably not going to be happy with that. 
but it's all about how can Dortmund be stronger, and obviously they're stronger with strength in depth. Yeah, they've got tremendous um, strength in depth in the wing positions, and, and if, if Goethe does to come in and play essential attacking role, that puts even more strength on, on the wide positions, and when Christian Pulisic comes back, that's even more uh, strength. So they're going to be such a weapon in the last you know half an hour, 20 minutes of games, whether they're in front and the opposition is chasing or if they have to, to, to try and get a result. So many options to Favre off the bench. And Matt, I mean, if we look ahead of the game midweek, they've got the Champions League against Club Bruges. Do, do you see them rotating some of the players that we've seen uh, on Friday night? Um, or or what way do you, do you see Favre maybe managing it? Well, Alcacer will start, I'm sure. I would say that Witzel will start 100% and we'll just have to see how he goes. He's not going to want to lose this game, so I don't think he would make any changes to his defence. Larson, I'm sure, just got this start because of his four goals in, in the friendly the week before. Um, so I wouldn't think he would start again. I'm not sure exactly if he maybe sees Sancho as a, as a super sub, but we'll have to see if he, if he gives him a start. But seeing what he did with Larson, he's, he looks like he's going to give guys a, a start if they do well. He's going to reward players for, for good performances. So I would say it's looking pretty good for Sancho at this point in time. He might get the start there. But whether Royce's best position is behind the striker, we'll have to wait and see. Or maybe, maybe he'll he'll go back to a wider position. But I'd say Witzel and Alcacer will start 100% and um, Sancho as well. Can I maybe just add one quick, quick uh, thing or two about Mario Götze, Bryce? Um, there's, there's been a bit of controversy because Lothar Matthäus... Um, that guy said that it would probably be best for Götze to leave the club because there's no setup for him. And the way Favre plays doesn't, <laughs> Matthäus claims, does not suit Mario Götze. This was, of course, countered today by Watzke, who said hey, we should leave Götze alone. Um, I think when you look at this particular setup, the 4-2-3-1 works quite well for him. So I, I, I don't, maybe to cap off the whole Dortmund debate and the, the Götze debate, I I think that there is definitely room for Mario Götze and, um, you know, three-day games into the season is maybe a bit too early to suggest anyone is going to leave the club. Well, guys, let, let's go um, beyond uh, the Dortmund discussion and, you know, just uh, very briefly touch on Eintracht. They've got a midweek game as well as we see them taking on Marseille. Uh, Manu, how, how do you see this game going? It's it's going to be difficult for them to bounce um, European ties and then playing on Sunday as well. But they will be coming up against RB Leipzig, who are in the same situation next weekend. Yeah, maybe Marseille. I saw Marseille last year in that uh, Europa League semi-final against uh, Salzburg. I know we get to talk about Salzburg in a moment as well. And they are a very good side and a side that has, has managed to improve themselves over the, the summer. I think the big positives and this, this is negative, of course, for the Frankfurt fans, but positive in terms of, because one of the biggest assets Marseille has is the, the atmosphere in the stadium, right? And the velodrome is going to be closed down for this match. There's not going to be any fans. So behind playing behind closed doors, um, the friendly character in a game like that could actually help Frankfurt, but they will have to improve massively. Um, against a very good Marseille side, if they want to get anything out of that game. Yeah, well, let's let's just see how they get on during the week. Let's talk about the Saturday games now. And well, I was going to go to somebody else, but Manu, we'll probably just have to go back to you on this one. Uh, we see now Champions Bayern Munich take on 
you're going to hear this all year. You're mm. possible or you're predicted champions um, this season by our Leverkusen. And things didn't quite go to plan, did they? We've seen Bayern Munich beat them 3-1. And actually, after a, a first... Um, the first goal by Leverkusen after five minutes, a bit of a controversial retake the penalty and everything. Uh, they they weren't even in the game, were they? It's finally a referee that has some spine in the Allianz Arena, Allianz Arena hey? Um, that's maybe one positive yeah. to take from us. But yeah, not looking very good right now, do I? Um, this is this is going down down uh, down really fast. Um, Leverkusen look a real mess. And I think that really caps it. That, that really explains it all. I mean, they, Bayern in the second half, I, I did the match report on this. And then, uh, Chris, you did the, the talking points. Uh, I thought that Bayern in the second half either didn't want to or couldn't, um, or just didn't feel like it. Never got out of second gear and Leverkusen were not even on the field. There was nothing. There was absolutely nothing there. Um, it's really disappointing because I think that there is so much more potential in the side and it's for whatever reason, Herrlich is not getting the horsepower on the field at the moment. And he's trying to make switches. He brought on Bellarabi. And I think we can talk about Bellarabi probably more for the entire, for on this podcast than we can talk about what Leverkusen or Bayern did because Bayern in the second half didn't do much and Leverkusen didn't do, didn't do anything at all. Yeah, but if we go to you, Chris, um, let's talk about this uh, a little bit further. Um, I, I mean, what, what exactly is going on at Leverkusen? I mean, none of us would have predicted for their first three games to, for them to have started so bad. I mean, is, is Herlick, you know, the favourite for the chop at the moment? Oh, Bryce, I'm not going to say who's the favourite for the chop after last season spectacularly <laughs> predicting that Dominic Tedesco would go after four match days. Um, now, whether he lasts another four, um, maybe that's up for debate. But look, for the first 10 minutes of this match, Bayer Leverkusen were excellent. And um, Manu's quite right. I did the talking points. And one of my talking points was um, why did, did they just implode? Um, it, for, for some reason, the goals seemed to throw them out of kilter. It's as if they went with a, a match plan of maybe hanging on for 25 minutes, hoping they weren't 2-0 down and then seeing if they could steal one before half-time. The fact that they got the first goal, well, they got a penalty after two minutes. It was five minutes by the time it was taken. That seemed to, to throw them and they didn't know what to do. It's a long time since I've seen a team take the lead and then implode. Um, and that's what they did spectacularly. Um, they sat back. They looked confused. They didn't really know who was who. They seemed to have five attackers and five defenders. One of my uh, one of my points is that they need a linchpin. Um, they don't have anybody in the middle, certainly not in that game, that could sew defence and attack together. There was nobody to keep the eye on the transitions. They've got an exceptional attacking um, players, um, Havertes, Brandt, Bailey, Volland, etc. And then they were playing with a back five, which I don't think suited them at all. Mm. So... It, it was really, really poor. Um, and you could see maybe two, three minutes, um, after they'd gone or oh, what's going on. Because for the first 10 minutes, I did say they did play really well. But after that 10 minutes, they were shocked by the fact they were leading. And then all of a sudden they fell apart. And by the time Julian Brandt came on, 
um, for Lars Bender. No idea why he was put out left because he's a central or a defensive midfielder. Anyway, by the time Julian Brandt came on, it was too late to affect the game because Bayern had got into top gear, um, which they stayed in for five minutes. And like Manu said, they then sat back at one point and tweeted out, had the feeling of a friendly match. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, it was a very strange game, but I mean, for Bayer Leverkusen, it seems to to be maybe the tip of a lot of problems that game because not only did they look lost and devoid of ideas, um, their defence was particularly poor at times. Um, they, As I say, they've got all these attackers and, and no one really that can pull the creative strings. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about Bellarabi, but he was like, yeah, I don't want to be on this pitch anymore. See you later. And, and, and just decided to get himself out of there and take an early shower. It was probably one of the worst by Leverkusen um, performances I've seen um, for a while, maybe since the, the two managers who we spoke about at great length both left. Um, it, it's it's an odd one because they have got all the, the building blocks there to be a fabulous team. Um, individually, they, they've got maybe six or seven fantastic players. Um, but unfortunately, they can't seem to be um, motivated the right way by Herlick at the moment. So I would be a little worried if I was him because, um, you know, by Leverkusen sat behind a couple of managers previously, maybe a little bit too long, um, and they may not make the same mistake again. And breathe, Chris. <laughs> that was a, yeah, that's, a hell that's of a breakdown. Rant. <laughs> but um, <laughs> maybe, maybe to add, um, and Matt, to get you in on this too, because we talked about this two weeks ago on after match day two. Remember after the Wolfsburg game, the game that you were that you went to, it was the same thing. They took the lead and then completely imploded. I wouldn't say they imploded, but they didn't play particularly well. I don't have too much to add here after my comments two weeks ago. I thought this was a predictable result. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the game. I was on my way to, to Mission Gladbach, but not surprised at all that, that Herlich went for with the five-man defense. I guess uh, in his defense, I'll say at least he didn't have Bailey and, and Brand in the wing-back position, so that's a plus, but still, this was always going to be damage limitation, and despite scoring in, in the fifth minute, it didn't really feel at any stage, for me anyway, that that was going to matter. And um, I'm not surprised at all here, but yeah, nothing changes for me with with my thoughts on this team and and Herlich. I, I still think he's he's a long way away from being a top level tactician. Disappointing for Jonathan Tarr here. He looked like he, he had a shocker on the highlights, but mm. normally he's pretty rock solid. So not much to add here, to be honest. After my comments a couple of weeks ago, nothing nothing changes with this situation. All I will say is that surely. Ralph Hasenhutl is going to be on the radar for a lot of clubs and it might be snooze and you lose for a lot of clubs, if you know what I mean. So if they hang on, hang on too long, some other club will take Ralph Hasenhutl and there might not be another German manager or German-speaking manager out there quite in his league. There might be a topic for another day, but that might not be something that's uh, working in, in Heiko Herlich's favour. But yeah, they're in trouble. They're, they're, they've got a long way to go. They've got a tough trip. Bulgaria, and then a home game against Mainz coming up. So we'll just have to see what happens with them. Well, as Matt just mentioned, uh, Manu, you, you've got the two games, Ludogorets and then Mainz coming up. Mainz have had a good start to the season, you know, winning two, drawing one. But uh, will 
Leverkusen be looking at these two games, thinking these these are winnable games, you know, games for us to be able to, you know, get a bit of togetherness and, and get the ball rolling. Must win games. I mean, no disrespect to Ludogorets Rasgrad. Um, I mean, we were there last. We we had them last year. We're playing against Hoffenheim, and the Hoffenheim got massively criticized for for not taking them serious and not getting the points that we expected them to get. Leverkusen have to win those two games. I reckon, and Matt is bang on. Hasenhüttl, um, every club right now knows that he's available. I think we can just leave it at that. You know, you just you, if you if you know that he's available and there's a chance to get him, um, and your club is in trouble, I think it's not going to take too long for someone to make that move. Yeah, absolutely. Especially those uh, young players there. I'm sure they would really benefit with having him at the helm. But uh, let's talk about uh, Bayern then. Uh, Chris, we mentioned that Bayern didn't really get out of second gear the second half. It, it looked like they realized the game was already won and took their foot off. Is that because they've got um, a midweek game against Benfica, do you feel? Or or do you think there's more to it? Do you think there, there should be um, a little bit of concern that they didn't put more past Leverkusen? Well, they should have done, really. Um, Iron Robin, I put that he rolled back the years. I thought it was fantastic. Mm. Um, obviously, he got his goal. He could have easily had another two. Um, at one point, I think everybody was shocked he missed. Even um, even put his hand up. It, it's in the piece I got it from, from Getty. He, he's got his hand in the air apologising to the crowd behind the goal because everybody thought he would score it and it looked harder to miss um, than it did to score. So I think you could probably say Robin could have had another two. Um so, I mean, well, that would have made it five, and that probably would have been a more accurate scoreline, especially for the way that Bayern played. But um, if they would have gone to top gear, then, yeah, maybe they would have put six or seven or maybe even more past them. But I don't know. Maybe they were thinking about midweek. Um, not 100% sure on that. Obviously, a um, couple of bad injuries to Liso. They've had a couple of injuries before that. Maybe they thought we don't need to go 100% here because this game's won already. Um, I think they could see that after they went 2-1 up very quickly uh, that that game was won and Leverkusen just weren't at the races. So um, I'm not sure if they would have just backed out with, with an eye on the uh, game this week in the Champions League. I think they just didn't have to do anything more because they weren't pressed or they weren't really challenged. So uh, if you haven't got, you know, a result on the line, if they needed to win or four or five one or or you know even seven nil to win the league, they would have done that on Saturday. However, they went up quite quickly, um, and everybody saw that Leverkusen weren't interested, so they just did their best to get the game won, and it was a professional display. Yes, indeed. And Manu, how do you feel that they're going to get on midweek um, against Benfica? Do you think this is going to be a tough task for, uh, you know, for you know, for a side that, you know, are, are hoping to win everything as always? Bayern love playing against Portuguese sides. I think they, what was it, uh, a few years ago, they beat Porto 6-1, 7-1. Um, they've done similar things against Sporting and Benfica. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it will be the same old. Um, for Bayern, um, a resounding, a resounding victory. Yeah, I think they've got too much class at Benfica, who are really missing uh, Jonas, who, who's been injured for the whole season. They've got a, a couple of good players. Pizzi's playing extremely well, but 
it's it's a it's a class gap here that's it's quite significant. Um, I don't have anything to add on buying here, guys, except that um, Iron Robin, fantastic goal. Yeah, he just seems to continue to produce, doesn't he? I mean, a lot of people would have said the start of his career is a one-trick pony, but boy, does he do that trick well mm. over and over again. Eh? Uh, I think none of us can deny you know, just how good he is and still. Um, guys, let, let's talk about the teams then chasing uh, Bayern at the top. Yeah, you wouldn't have imagined us to mention these two sides. So we've seen Wolfsburg taking on Hertha Berlin. Uh, the game ended 2-2. We've seen, uh, well, three rather late goals. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Manu, if you look at both of these sides, there, there's no way any of the three of us would have called for them to uh, have started the season as well as what they have. I'm, I'm sure they're both delighted. A few people expected Wolfsburg to do a lot better than... Um, last year, I mean, uh, Chris says it all the time. Don't look at the table. Yeah. And, uh, I, I'm with him on that one because last year we had Hamburg start similarly and they still got relegated at the end of the season. But this was a great game. I mean, there was so much drama. The two goals at the very end, it looked like Hertha had clinched it right with, um, a late, Free kick uh, by Duda and then uh, Wolfsburg came back and made it 2-2 really almost with the final whistle and there's a lot of goals late. Um, so really that's, I think that's the focus right here. I think um, when you, when you look at who's going to chase Bayern after match day three, that's really hard to say anyways, if what's going to go happen with Bayern and any of the teams following it. But if I, if I look at any team that's going to be able to chase Bayern this year, it's, will, it's only really going to be Dortmund and, um, Wolfsburg looked like they could have a good season, but it's really just too early to say. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, Chris, I mean, what can either of these sides uh, expect? Um, obviously, we joked about a, a title challenge, but um, maybe a little bit too far away from them. I mean, what, what was a good season for either side? Well, I think for Wolfsburg, a, a good season would be not finishing in 16th again. Obviously, they finished there um, twice back-to-back in the last two seasons, so you'd expect them to be a little higher. Um, Labadee has got them playing some good football at times. I'm always a little concerned by the amount of empty seats that I see at Wolfsburg. Um, I know Manu and I and, and you have spoken at great length why that is, mainly because um, they're an Autostadt and people come in to to work at Wolfsburg and they live outside. So, you know, they've got a really nice stadium, 
30,000 um, capacity. There's only 25,000 in it. Um, and that's generally around about um, the same sort of attendance that they get. So it's hard for players to play in atmospheres that maybe aren't as good as some of the others around the country. Empty seats everywhere. So what can they realistically expect? This season, maybe 10th, trying to push for a late uh, run into the Europa League for Hertha, I suppose. Um it would be trying to get back into Europe again. Obviously, they were in Europe the other season. Manu went mm. um, with a football grad assistant, in inverted commas, which was his sister, um, and, and took the game in and, you know, saw them play in Europe. Um, and they're another side that are hampered by a massive stadium. Um, and they do get some good attendances, Hertha. It's just the fact that the Olympic Stadium is so big, it seems to be quite empty. So, Realistically, for these two teams, it would be trying to fight for a Europa League spot and then end in anywhere between 7th or 10th. I think would be an excellent season for them. Um, I can't see them getting much higher than that, unfortunately, Bryce. Wolfsburg is one of those pet peeve teams for me. You know, together with, uh, for me, it's uh, Wolfsburg, Gladbach, um, Schalke, Dortmund. These, these are teams that Dortmund, of course, this year, I think they have done really well in the summer transfer window, but Wolfsburg a few years ago had the same budget as Atletico Madrid, right? Everyone always talks about Bayern München are buying all the best players from the league, yet all these teams have enormous resources. Matt alluded already to it two weeks ago, right? These clubs, these, these are not, the Bundesliga is not a league of poor clubs. You know, this is the league that receives the second amount, most amount of money from television revenue. And then you have clubs like Leipzig and Wolfsburg that get money from outside sources, be it Volkswagen or Red Bull, right? Yet we're talking two times in a row relegation um, spots. So for me, that's Wolfsburg is sort of one of those clubs. I look at them. And then when I think about what Bundesliga clubs are doing wrong in terms of competing against Bayern, I think of them and say, you know, you have all this money and resources and you're finishing 16th and 17th and 15th and what are you doing and I mean the same can be said about like a club like Gladbach that have the same kind of revenue than Atletico as well and they are playing for 9th and 8th and then the fans are complaining about the best players going to buy them and that's not even the case so it's just it, for me I look at this and I think really there should be so much more um, coming from a team like that But Manuel what do you think the problem is when they've got so much uh Financial backing. Bad use of resources. Just as simple as that. Yeah. Just... They're not the only ones, but I mean, they, 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 they demonstrated the best, <laughs> you know, or the worst, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I did that piece on, on footballstart.com where I break down the, the revenue in comparison to other t- big teams in Europe that do a lot better. And I mean, the Bundesliga has, has some of the best revenue teams in, in, in European football and it's really disappointing when you see some of the results but uh, Wolfsburg when you when you look at it um I we, we talked about this when we went there for the relegation playoffs um Chris that uh, the amount of money that they had available and then you look at where they were it's just it doesn't add up and me for me so it's just for me it's a squandering of resources I might just jump in and just say it's going to be fantastic to see if Wolfsburg can can maintain this mm. this form but I think they they have done really well. Their their resources, particularly in the striking department with with Veghorst and, and Ginkzek, 
you know, two quality options there. We'll have to see if the likes of Brecolo and, and Stefan can, can maintain their, their early season form. But I just reiterate what I said about Wolfsburg a couple of weeks ago in that my opinion is that Camacho is just so important to this team. And we saw last season when you had Camacho and Gulavogi both out, this team was just a complete shambles and had no chance of really winning any game. And Gwilavogi's already gone down with a knee injury. He's going to probably be out for quite a while. And Camacho had two injuries last year, missed quite a long time. And it might be a little bit strange for people to think, well, you're talking about a defensive midfielder. But I just honestly think that Camacho is that important to the side that if he goes down for some unfortunate injury, then things could change in a real hurry for Wolfsburg. But, you know, Rusillon's done really well at left-back so far, so... You know, the, the three main signings they've made have been really good. And uh, people might maybe want to start giving Labadia a little bit more credit rather than just, you know, the firefighter. But he's been in the game now for 15 years as a manager. And you'd like to think he, he's learned a bit, you know. And now having a, a club from this beginning of the season with a with a couple of good signings, uh, I wouldn't be that surprised if, if they, they stay in the top half and, and capitalise on some of these teams they're going to be in Europe, you know, Leverkusen, Schalke, Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, Leipzig, they're all just starting their European campaigns now, and and Wolfsburg and Hertha have got a good little break on them. So I would think that both these clubs will be pushing for, for Europa League-type positions and take advantage on, on some of these other clubs that are going to have quite heavy schedules. But Hertha, I think, might be in a better spot than Wolfsburg. I think they've got a, a bit more depth. I think that, obviously, Paldai has been... Pal Dardo has been their monger, so he's been able to, to stamp his, his mark on this team. And I, I love what they're doing. Herter, I saw them at Schalke a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned in my, my talking points there that uh, Javiro Dilrosen could be one of the signings of the season. Uh, he looked really good a couple of weeks ago, and he, I thought his goal against uh, Wolfsburg on the weekend was, was, was quite good. Duda is really stepping up. I don't think Ibisevic will be there very long as, as the first choice, I'm sure. David Selker, if he can keep himself fit, will we'll take over there, which will improve them a massive amount. And just so much young talent in, in this Hertha squad. Uh, Grujic has looked pretty good on, on, on loan from Liverpool. Uh, you know, Arna Myers is coming along quite nice. So I think Hertha have huge potential here and really wouldn't be surprised if, if they get back into Europe this season. Yeah, lots of positive words coming out of Matt's mouth for both those sides. So, uh, yeah, if you're a Wolfsburg fan or a Hertha fan, well, you'll be enjoying every second of that, unlike Leverkusen rant, eh? But uh, just to go back to you, Chris, uh, we're going to talk about Hoffenheim. Obviously, not a great result for them, losing 2-1 to Fortuna. They've also got a, a midweek game against Shakhtar Donetsk, followed by uh, a game against Dortmund. I mean, this is a game that probably Nagelsmann would have wanted to win with the next two coming up so difficult. Um, this is a game that really um, <laughs> they should have won. Um, I, I don't know how they didn't win it, to be honest. Um, well, I do know how, because uh, the the goal was missed from what um, Kramerich missed from... Uh, it must have been three foot. I don't know how he, he missed it. Um, and yeah, and then obviously Fortuna went up and, and scored. But I mean, this was a tremendous game. I don't know if, if you saw the highlights of it. There was so many um, good misses. Um, Morales hit the bar from well inside the six-yard box. Obviously, Kramerich missed um, a sitter. And both keepers made fantastic saves. 
Um, and obviously Nelson came on and got his goal. That's probably the only highlight, I think, for Hoffenheim. Um, but looking at the highlights of this game, obviously, because it kicked off at the same time as the buying game um, that I was watching and covering, I thought that Nagelsmann, although we will be disappointed um, with the loss, there was enough there um, for the really to say that they, they should have won this game. So he can take heart in that. And you know how good a tactician he is. And he will obviously work on that in the next couple of days before they play the Champions League games. Um, so whilst this is a bit of a surprise, I don't think it's a time to worry for Hoffenheim just yet. No, definitely not. Um, Manu, how do you feel um, this midweek game is going to go for uh, Nagelsmann just before we then touch mm. on, on another side that uh, managed to, uh, well, get back into Europe last year um, in RB Leipzig. Well, we need to talk about their game. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for this game midweek because, of course, this is for, for us. Um, Football Grad Network is, is a big game. Schachter Donetsk is one of the clubs that we've covered a lot. Um, I lived in Ukraine. I've, I've watched Schachter Donetsk many, many times. I've covered Schachter Donetsk now for the better part of five years. And um, this is a very, very good team. And Paulo Fonseca is maybe one of the most exciting coaches in European football together with Julian Nagelsmann. And I'm just so curious to see those two go at each other because they play, they're both very, very good tacticians, but they have a very different approach on how they play football. And I'm, I'm just so excited to see what they're going to come up with. And of course, we're going to, we're going to cover this game in particular. There's going to be a match report, of course, on this, on the football grad network and the pre, the preview as well. But yeah, this is a game I'm really excited at. And um, at this point, I can't really tell you which way it's going to go. Um, I think that Shata Donetsk, they, they like to sit very deep and then really overwhelm their oppositions with, with fast counterattacking, um, play. And, and Nagelsmann has that really big compact midfield. Um, likes to some in some ways do the same thing, so it, it's it's going to be fascinating. I think what's maybe going to hurt Hoffenheim in this one is that they're still missing a lot of key players, and maybe just maybe Shakhtar Donetsk will get the better of them in this match. Right. Exciting times, eh? To have the uh, Champions League back, it's going to be interesting to see how Hoffenheim managed to bounce that European campaign and you and league one as well. Two big games for them coming up. But um, let, let's talk uh, RB Leipzig. Uh, they managed a, a 3-2 victory over the weekend. Um, Chris, a, ra- rather positive in the, in not just for the three points, but that uh, Forsberg and Timo Werner looked very much back, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, unbelievably, I think, although it's only match day three. I don't think any of us would have thought that Timo Werner would get his first goal for club or country since May um, in September. Well, that's the reality of it. Uh, he looked a little bit off in the first couple of match days. He certainly looked off um, in the World Cup in Russia over the summer. But this game was a big one for him. And he performed in a way that I've seen him perform now for the last couple of seasons. I thought he was excellent. Um, and together with Forsberg, Interesting stat that um, the I think it's the last six goals he's scored, four assists have been provided by um, Forsberg. So obviously the two of them work together. Um, and yeah, it, it was a very, very good performance for them um, on the whole. Um, you know, I think we all watched the game. 
Ralph Ragnick wasn't very happy at the end with certain parts of it, conceding possession, etc., um, and allowing Hanover to to score when they did. But on the whole, I thought it was a good performance by Leipzig and certainly one that they'd want before they go into European competition. Um, are they back? That's probably a bit of a rhetorical question. I'm, I'll still be concerned for them um, with their squad depth to fight on um, on fronts, league and uh, Europe. So. It's, it's going to be a difficult one for them, but I would expect them to do marginally better than they did last season in Europe um, and maybe put some more performances down with a little bit of European experience now, a little bit more European savvy, able to see games out, You know, maybe win ugly if they need to, maybe just hold back when they need to and then go and attack and free-flow and attack like they can do um, when required. But this particular match day, I thought... Obviously, it wasn't a perfect result, but I thought the way they played was was excellent at times and maybe starting to get a little bit back towards um, where we saw, if not last season, definitely the season before. Yeah, very exciting game there and two good performances by their main men. But uh, before we go to Matt to talk about uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Schalke, uh, Manu, we see, uh, well, the two RB sides come up against each other. We see RB Leipzig taking on Shellsburg. Uh, uh, how, how's that going to go, uh, do you feel, um, midweek? <laughs> this is going to be fascinating. You're going to have, um, it's kind of like cloning two teams in a way, right? Um, really, Mark Rose, uh, is, Rose is a very good, head coach over in Salzburg. I got to see them a few times last year and they play fantastic football. And then of course, Leipzig, we all know what the relationship between those two clubs is. The, the fact that Leipzig have taken players from Salzburg, the fact that the two teams legally used to be intertwined. Um, Mitzlaff has done a very good job to get them, get the two teams registered for for Europe at the same time, um, sort of disentangling, um, the relationship, at least on paper. We all, I guess we all know that in reality, there is, it is still a very strong connection. Uh, Red Bull, of course, is only the sponsor now of Salzburg, not the owner. And in Leipzig, um, legally speaking, they're not the owner at all. They're just one of the, um, investors, right? Because 50 plus 1% of the club is actually owned by the, the club itself. Um, there's obviously you no, know, only 17 members. All these members are high ranking, um, Red Bull functionaries. So, um, the, the, we all know how the decision making works. I think on the field, this is going to be a fascinating game. Off the field, there's, of course, a lot of controversy about it with a lot of a lot of the football romantics complaining about this game. And this is going to be an interesting one um, because it's kind of like a self-fulfilled prophecy. Um, last year, we all expected what would happen when they dropped down to Europa League. It almost happened um, it, during the, the knockout stage, right? That the two played each other and now it's happened. Um, we get one Red Bull team facing the other. And uh, I think... If you watch it, just watching it, I think this is going to be a fascinating game, but the, the, the background noise of the interconnection between the clubs is going to be almost as interesting as the game itself. Yeah, you can only imagine this is going to get a lot of column space over the next few days, isn't it? Um, plenty of talk. You know, even if you're 
you know, outside of either of those uh, countries. Um, yes, guys, let, let's get to that late kickoff game. Let, let's go and speak to Matt um, you know, about Gladbach versus Schalke. A game that ended 2-1. We've we seen Bruce Munch Gladbach um, go 1-0 up very early in the game, but then um, even double their lead before Schalke could return with an Embolo strike towards the end. Um, Things are not looking too good for Schalke, are they? Um, uh, some people predicted that they wouldn't be able to keep up uh, the performances that they did last year, but probably didn't predict that they would lose the first three games, Matt. Yeah, we talked about them, didn't we, after that loss at home against her? And I managed, uh, mentioned sorry, that they might be looking a little bit predictable. And what I noticed in this particular game as well as having the benefit of seeing uh, Gladbach against Leverkusen in the first game, is that it was quite simple from, from Dieter Hecking here as far as his tactics went. And it was basically when Schalke are in possession, uh, the wingers Fabian Johnson and, and Torgan Hazard just dropped really deep. And at times it was just a flat back six, to be honest. Completely shut out the, the, the Schalke wingbacks out of the game. And the front trio of, of, of Berg, Stella, Ut and, and DeSanto, yeah... It didn't really work that well. Ut, Ut was was the main danger out of those three, but just so many so many options for for Tedesco and and figuring out his best his best eleven is just going to take months, you know, with the, with the new additions to this squad. Uh, I think he's he's feeling a bit of pressure, although he's trying to 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 come off as though everything's in control and they're playing well and a bit unlucky. Yeah, and Sommer did did have a great gaming goal. You can't deny it, especially the save from. Uh, Salif Sane, a, a close-range header from a corner, but equally, you know, Gladbach hit the post and, and had the better chances in this game. And I, I can't—I don't think you could argue with anyone who would think that uh, Gladbach were deserved winners here. But uh, Hecking also has some very good options. Zakaria came back into the team and, and played really well. His drive from central midfield is really, really good. Jonas Hoffman continues to play quite well. Interesting to see if he can remain consistent. Uh, you know, he tends to struggle a bit with his, with his decision making and final ball, but tremendous potential. And if he can can keep playing the way he, he is, then that's going to be a massive benefit for for, for Gladbach. And maybe Nico Elvedi has to come into central defence soon enough for, for for Tony Janschke. We'll have to see what happens there. But Alessandra play continues to improve, and he's only going to get better. My main concern with with Gladbach is what do you do when when Lars Stindl is fit and 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 Raphael. How do you accommodate all these guys without changing information? I mean, the 4 3 is working quite well, and at the early stages looking pretty good for, for Gladbach and Hecking, but it is only three games, and uh, you know we're going to have to see what happens. But Schalke, yeah, struggling. It's hard to sort of put the finger on it other than to say that it's just predictable. You know, the, the Harms and Mendel situation was, was unbelievable. He, you know, he got the, the yellow card, should have been sent off about two minutes later for another yellow card, and then... And then Tedesco took him out of the out of the fire and just substituted him straight away. It was it was quite hilarious. A little bit sad for him, but he'll 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 learn from that, I'm sure, and get better. But with Baba having a shocker against Herta, there's a, there's a few uh, issues at left back. But I'll be at that game in a few days or a couple of days against Porto in the Champions League. So looking forward to that and 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 see how Schalke move on from these uh, opening three defeats. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris, uh, I, I feel we almost have to go to you to talk about Tedesco. Um, you made the prediction last year that after five games, it'd be gone. It could happen this year, one year on, couldn't it? Um, and I don't see midweek uh, Porto being 
exactly an easy game for them. I mean, they they got the benefit of maybe a a, a nicer draw, we'll be saying, in the Champions League, but you know, they they really need to um, turn up against Porto and and, uh, and turn these performances around. Well, I'd be shocked, Bryce, if he went anywhere um, at the moment. Uh, I think Schalke are stuck in a little bit of a rut. Um, obviously, Matt spoke at great length there, and, and everything he said was pretty spot on. And I don't know if any if you've not read his thoughts on the game on footballstart.com, go over and have a read of them, because um, he, he describes the game and he describes Schalke, especially Mendel, as was a mess. And it's a great sub-headline, Mendel mess. Um, it, it was, and I think they were all a mess. Um, and it's something that Tedesco is going to have to sort out, really, especially going into the Champions League. Because if you if you are disjointed um, in a top competition in Europe, you just get blown apart. So um, Porto did quite well last season. You know, got to where they did into the knockout stages. It'll be a bit of a tough test for them. Um, I know Manu thinks that they're going to um, qualify out their group quite easily. I'm I'm with Matt on this. We had a, a chat in the in the WhatsApp chat. I think they'll get Europa League. I can't see them qualifying out of this group the way they're playing at the moment, um, which will be a concern for them, I think. They have to qualify out of this group. I mean, if they don't, then Tedesco is definitely not going to be there anymore. Uh, but no disrespect to, to Porto, Galatasaray and Lokomotiv Moscow. And I cover Lokomotiv Moscow quite a bit. They are, they are in shambles. Um, a German side, and again, we're talking about a Bundesliga team that finished second, has to go to a team against Portugal and a team against Turkey and win. And yes, of course, the way they play right now um, doesn't mm-hmm. suggest that they will. But, I mean, we're talking about a team that finished second in Germany, right? And I, I think if they don't qualify from this group, then, then, then things are really, really bad at Schalke. Um, I, I know where they are right now and the way they are playing. It doesn't look good, but they have to get out of this group. Um, I think that is a minimum requirement until Christmas, that they have to get out of this Champions League group. Um, I think I think they probably got a few more long-term plans for, for Tedesco, to be honest. I, I think if, if they don't get out of this group, it's not going to be Ma- a drama Matt, for him. Matt, 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 sorry. But again, we're talking about teams from Russia, Portugal and Turkey. This is a Bundesliga side. They this is they have to get out of this group. I hear you. I I I think people might be underestimating Porto in a way. Uh, you obviously have a better handle on 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 the the Russian and the Eastern European sides. I just I just think Porto are much better than Schalke at the moment, especially. And and the way that the draw the draw has worked out for for Schalke is not good at all. You know, playing. Porto first up and then having the two away trips, it, it, that's really, that's couldn't have been any worse, if, if you ask me, as far as the way that the draws worked out for them and coming into this in terrible form doesn't help at all. But I think they're in, in with Tedesco for the long haul here. And even if the European campaign doesn't go so well, he can point to the fact that, you know, we've got a lot of new players here. Um, and, you know, that they'll, they'll just look towards qualifying for the Champions League again. And, um, yeah, but, it's really interesting, isn't it, with with Leverkusen and, and Schalke getting off to a horror start. Long way to go, but it is um, it is quite unexpected and, and gives us a lot to talk about. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Schalke will have that midweek game against Porto, followed up by a game against Freiburg. And Chris, we're going to go to you to talk about uh, Freiburg uh, because they were in action today. And, well, there was an awful lot of goals, wasn't there? Six, in fact. Um, How was this game? Well, it was the best game in a match day for me. Um, not so good if you like, um, I tweeted this out. It was, it was the best game in a match day, um, without a doubt, unless you like watching competent defending. And then it probably wasn't the match for you to watch. Um, because <laughs> there was just mistakes everywhere that led to goals, which, uh, you don't often get. I've been to Freiburg, got treated to a nil nil, 90 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. And, um, it pains me when I sit on my couch and, and watch a six goal thriller. Um, in, in down in Freiburg, I thought this was. I think on the whole, um, the three-three was a fair result. Um, I know probably the Freiburg won't be happy. Um, I mean, they went um, they went up one-nil. Obviously, then they were back to two-one down and came back two-two, and then it went two-three, and then they drew three-three in the end, which was um, which was a great game and. You know, the second half especially was was fantastic to watch. Um, but I think it was freaks probably the wrong word, but it was um, it was a surprise to say the least that this game was was this good. I thought maybe Stuttgart might have edged it out one nil or two one. Um, certainly on the 49th minute, I thought that was probably how the game was going to end. But you know, as we saw throughout this whole match day, um, there was a sting in the tail towards the end of the games um, and. Either side really could have won in the end and it could have been 4-3 and, and maybe it would have been a little harsh on the other one. But, um, yeah, this was a, a problem um, if you are a fan of defending. Um, both sides obviously showed that they could leak um, goals easily. Um, although Gondor scored a fantastic free kick, I don't know, maybe um, overall... Um, if he had sort of the implementation and the the whereabouts required. Obviously, he got the two goals, but I mean, there was aspects of Stuttgart game that enabled him to score. Um, I think Mario Gomez turned the game on its head. Um, so yeah, it was. I'm going to file this one, Bryce. Under I like watching attacking football, and and that's what we saw today. Um, anything else tactically, you could probably have a field day tearing both sides apart. Yes, indeed. I realised that I was getting ahead of myself. Schalke actually at Bayern Munich next rather than Freiburg. Uh, apologies for that, but good luck to Schalke with that one. Uh, but, um, Chris, uh, one final question. It just has to be a yes or no. Uh, from what we've seen, only three games in, uh, a lot of people predicted that Freiburg may possibly go down this season. Uh, do you think they'll stay up this season? If you continue your question, I don't know what happened there. Just like a private fact. Bryce, you said one word. I'm, I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm going to say I'm not sure. No problem. Well, Manu, um, apart from uh, pushing the Mario Gomez button, uh, it had to be done. I'm sorry. <laughs> To be fair, it did. It did have to be done. Uh, but, Mario, let, let's uh, wrap this up. Uh, what have you got going on this week with Champions League, Europa League uh, back? You you mentioned also that um, Shakhtar Donetsk, oh, I'm getting tongue-tied, um, game coming up. Uh, there's a lot going on in the football crowd, isn't there? 
Yeah, um, so we have the, the Champions League previews for the, all the Bundesliga teams and all the post-Soviet teams, including, uh, Red Star Belgrade. Um, so the post-Yugoslav team as well. So they'll be on footballgrad.com and fußballstadt.com and then the Europa League previews as well. Um, the, the games that we mentioned and then of course the, the Russian and the Ukrainian teams and, uh, some of the, um, teams from the Balkans as well in action. So yeah, um, lots going on this week. We have some coverage too, um, going to Matt next, right? Because he, he is at a game. Yeah, well, well, that, that's the, the perfect bridge. Um, Matt, um, what have you got going on in the, uh, in the next week? Um, you know, um, for the football grads, uh, team. Uh, it's all happening, mate. I'm going to Schalke Porto on Tuesday and then I'm, uh, going on a huge road trip, uh, starting with the, the Stuttgart Dusseldorf Friday night, Hoffenheim Dortmund on the Saturday, Frankfurt Leipzig on the Sunday, and then down to, uh, to Bayern Augsburg on the Tuesday and then come back up through Mainz, Wolfsburg on the Wednesday. Um, and that's just, that's just the, the entree for the big Leverkusen-Dortmund game coming up on the 29th. Oh, lucky you, mate. You are going to some really good games there. Exciting times. Um, make sure you get that car in for that MOT before you go, eh? Uh, but, um, Chris, let's go to you. Let's finish off. What have you got going on this week that you would like to draw people's attention to? Well, the prospect of watching Red Star Belgrade versus Napoli is thrilling, but I'll be definitely watching Liverpool against Paris Saint-Germain. Um, and obviously very excited that Red Star Belgrade are drawn in the same group as Liverpool because unfortunately, Bryce, it means I've got to go back to Anfield to cover the Reds um, against uh, post-Soviet sides, so that'll be brilliant. Um, and yeah, as Manu said, uh, we've got matches aplenty, so I'll be on the imagery for those. Exciting times, and yes, very jealous of uh, your reporting of the Liverpool games as always. But um, yeah, guys, if uh, if you want uh, more of a fill of football coming up with the previews and the match reports and everything else uh, going on, head over to at Football Grad Live on Twitter or the website. There's going to be an awful lot of uh, content for you. Um, as always, uh, thank you for tuning in. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn, and we'll be back in a week's time with another exciting uh, Bundesliga-based podcast. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.